0: Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Adjua Robinson, and I'd like to take a moment to address you, our regular listeners. We know you have enjoyed our podcasts, as evidenced by the more than 250,000 downloads to date. Thanks to all of you. We'd like to know what value you have found in the podcast. We'd like to hear from all of you, practitioners, researchers, students, but especially our listeners who are social work educators. How are you using the podcast in your classrooms? Just go to our website at www socialwork.buffalo.edu dot dot forward slash podcasts and click on the contact us tab again thanks for listening and we look forward to hearing from you.
1: Hi from Buffalo. Oh yes another 80 degree low humidity July day with lake breezes. I'm Peter Sabota. It's our 100th episode To celebrate our hundredth episode of our podcast, we have invited our Dean, Nancy Smith, and Director of Online Programs, Tony Guzman, to take a look back on our series and discuss why a school of social work entered into this area. Nancy discusses her vision for the future of our series, as well as her vision for the UB School of Social Work. Nancy concludes by describing her thoughts on the role of technology in the social work profession, as well as the risks and opportunities. Nancy Smith, PhD, is dean and professor at the UB School of Social Work. She was interviewed by our new director of online programs, Tony Guzman. My
2: name is Tony Guzman. I'm here with the dean of the School of Social Work at University of Buffalo, Dean Nancy Smith. We are celebrating our 100th podcast of the Living Proof series from the School of Social Work. And as such, we figured for this milestone we would uh, interview within house so to speak. So it is my pleasure to introduce Dean Nancy Smith. I had a few simple questions. And being that we're celebrating the 100th podcast, it's a good time to kind of look back and be able to say or find out what would you say are the reasons for the success of the Living Proof podcast series.
3: I'm mean, take a moment to even think back why we came up with it, hmm. because I think a lot of people thought we were crazy when we first thought about doing this. And for a while, actually, we'd had staff and faculty here thinking about podcasts, and it was really just a decision to move forward with it. And our main concern, and the main thing on my mind at the time we decided to do this was that there's a whole new generation of young people called the millennial generation, oh. and uh, and even some of the Generation X who sort of came for them who get most of their information and their knowledge of the world on the Internet. And at the time we did this, which was you now three and a half years ago, social work had a very minimal presence on the Internet. Okay. And, and I had a lot of concerns that we were going to miss a group of people who were really well disposed to the things that we do really passionate about social change and making a difference in the world and yet they might not know anything about us as a profession so it seemed to me we needed some way to start to establish a presence for the profession there and we knew enough about the internet to have a sense that if you make good content and just let people know about it reasonably that it starts to get itself out there so that was really why we chose the podcast. We figured we could start to talk about some particular social work issues as they relate to social work research or social work practice to research, and then just really teach people about who the profession is. And so we really wanted to involve people from all over the country as well as people doing work that might be relevant to social work, but maybe they weren't social workers. And the goal might be to attract people to the profession and also I think just to provide some really quality content for social work on the internet. So when I look at those goals, I think we've done pretty well. I mean, I look at the downloads, which you know you never know who's listening to those downloads, Certainly. But, but what I'm told is we just passed about 260,000 downloads and that we're listened to in all 50 states and 190 countries, depending on how you sort of see those things on your website. We can't really look at the iTunes data and know where that's getting hmm. downloaded from. But I think more importantly, I see a lot of interaction and people who talk about how the podcast has been really useful to them. We have a lot of faculty around the country who've used it in their classrooms and really said how helpful it was. Occasionally, we get people who come on and write reviews, and so that's helpful. Mm -hmm. I see some dialogue sometimes on Twitter where people really like a particular podcast. And actually, my best story just came out this past week. One of our faculty members came back from traveling abroad. And she had met a psychologist abroad through a friend, and they had, I think, lunch together. And psychologist asked where she was from, and she said, oh, the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. And the person jumped in and said, oh my gosh, that's the place that does the Living Proof's podcast series, and (laughs) pulled out her smartphone and showed the podcast that she enjoyed listening to, and I thought, well, that's the power of social media on this topic, and I think to promote social work, not just to social workers, but to allied professions and to potential students. So from that standpoint, I think it's been successful, and I'm pleased that it's done as well, and I'm amazed because I thought it was a very aggressive schedule that the staff and faculty chose to do a podcast every two weeks. That was probably not the schedule I would have chosen. So the fact that we've made it to 100 episodes and kept that schedule up with really quality content, I think, is pretty astounding.
2: Excellent. And so what would be your vision for the future of the podcast series?
3: That's a good one. I'd like to, I'd be curious to hear some other people's vision about it. One of the things that I don't like about the series is I think our name isn't very helpful. (laughs) just because I don't think the name says what it's about, so people get confused about it. One of the things I heard from a lot of social work peers is that they weren't sure what it was about. In other words, they thought it might just be us promoting our graduates or talking about our Mm. school. And so my vision is partly I'd like to see the podcast maybe go through a process of renaming by involving listeners and coming up with a name that communicates a little more about what it's about we can't take the name Social Work Podcast because we have a colleague, Jonathan Singer, who does a wonderful podcast by that name, but I'm convinced that listeners probably could come up with a better name than we could that would better capture what the podcast is about, and I think when you do that, you make it easier for other people to listen to it because there are people, I suspect, who have seen it who don't know what it's about and haven't bothered to check it out. And I think that reaching more people would be easier to do with a different name. So that's a small thing, but I also, a larger thing is that when the group started working on the podcast, they had a vision of social work research that was relevant to practice and bringing that out in the podcast, but also the reverse, what comes from practice that's important for research and informing research. And as I look over our topics, I don't think we've done as good a job on that part of it as we have on the okay. front part. So I would love to see us broaden a little bit, not from our intention, but broaden from how we've implemented it to allow for more of that dialogue, because uh, social work as a profession, we have this dialogue back and forth about what's the role of research and practice, what's the role of practice and research, and I think the best minds now indicate we really, it needs to be a dialogue, it needs to be a back and forth to really improve what we're doing, and so I think making sure that we have some ways to better get those voices of practice to research in there would be a great way to think about continuing what we've been doing and uh, complementing what we've been doing so far, too. Those things, I think, would be the major ones. I've often asked myself, what's the next step for this? And I'm not sure that I under- I know that yet. I mean, I think right now there's still not that many social workers out there. And I guess that the point at which the universe is flooded with podcasts, related to social work, maybe there won't be a role for us. And we'll go on to the, whatever the next thing is for us to do. But I don't see that right now. It's Jonathan Singer and us. And we have the huge number because we've had the resources of an organization to put behind this. Huh. And it seems particularly as schools of social work are moving to more online programs, as we're doing, having content that people can listen to online is even more of a, a premium. And so I think that the demand is definitely still there. And for us, it's been a very helpful way still to tell people about the profession and then for people sometimes to choose the profession over a similar profession. I think all of those things certainly will be continued in the vision. And then I think at some point, maybe we'll get saturated enough in this Internet that there'll be some next step that will start to emerge. But I've never been one of those people to plan specifically all of the things that follow. What I try to do more is scan what's happening, scan what's out there and see sort of organically what starts to emerge as the next direction.
2: Excellent. Well then, would you be able to share what you see as your vision for the future of the School of Social Work here at University of Buffalo?
3: Well, obviously not limited to the podcast. I think that we've had a reputation partly because of the podcast for integrating new technologies into Mm -hmm. what we do and I certainly think that's part of our vision but we're not always as far ahead on that as people think we are because of the podcast. I would love to see us do that better as a school, but do it with quality practice and quality education as our standard. I still will say to people, you know, sometimes a pencil is still your best tool to use for something, and you don't wanna jump in and use a piece of technology just to use it. You want to use it because it makes the most sense for what your purpose is. So I certainly would like to see the school continue to grow in that direction and we have some faculty who are doing some really wonderful work integrating technology as it's appropriate into their classes and their research and teaching and So that's a direction. I think the changes we've made in our master's program to integrate trauma-informed and human rights perspectives have been really transformational, much more so than I would have predicted for the master's program and for the school as a whole, and have placed us in a position now being able to establish partnerships with people around the country and the world related to being leaders in that area, and I certainly see the school building on that strength. As you look through our podcast by topic, We cover all different types of topics, but certainly trauma is the one that we are probably got the most numbers of episodes for, and quite a few human rights too, so we're working in both those areas. And so I think that in this world we all have to find our niches, and uh, for us this is a really good niche and we want to build on it. And the podcast will be part of bringing that great knowledge out to other people. But it's really going to be bringing the knowledge that's been established by many people. I mean, when I did the podcast with Charles Figley, who is really the father of the traumatology field, one of them anyway, really incredibly well respected. I'd followed his work for years. I thought, wow, who would I like to talk to? Who would I like to hear from on trauma? And I just called the man up out of the blue. He didn't know me, and I just asked him if he'd be willing to do a podcast on any topic that he'd like to talk about. And he he wanted to talk about veterans' issues and their families, which was really important. And I learned a great deal listening to him. And so I think, what kind of content would be great for our students to have available to them? and for the communities that we serve to have available. And that will guide the direction of our podcast, as well as it guides partly the direction that the school goes in. But ultimately for a school, the direction is set by its faculty and staff. As a dean, I can share my thoughts, I can point the way, but mostly you, know, you get great people who are doing exciting things and then just have them work together. And so I think as a school, we'll be defining some of those things in the next couple of years. But I do think that um, the podcast has now really become our own. Many faculty have gotten involved in it, Mm. and um, I certainly see that as being part of, at least, our immediate future.
2: Excellent. And finally, what do you see as the future role of uh, technology, or the role of technology within the future of the social work field?
3: Yeah, that's a question I often wonder about. I'm a little concerned for the social work profession as we move into the 21st century. We are not, by and large, social workers are not technology adopters, I wouldn't even say early, we tend to be late adopters, Mm. and yet things are changing so fast with this world that we're in right now. Sixty-five percent of adults who are on the internet now are into social media, and I'm not sure that social workers understand the medium enough to Mm. be able to help their client populations with those things certainly when it comes to adolescents, where you have 95% of them who are gaming. Most social workers I encounter have very negative perceptions about gaming. And uh, those are things that I think, if we don't do a little better job of educating ourselves and getting familiar with some of these things, we're in danger of becoming culturally irrelevant. And I, that's never good for a profession like ours, which is focused on cultural competence. Now that said, I think that um, if we can figure out how to use technology effectively from whether it's we're using it with our clients but or using it to organize some social action like you've seen in some parts of the world, that social workers would be ideal for the problems of our century. Social work by definition looks at systems and networks and many levels of change and the technologies that are now emerging are all about how to mobilize and work with those networks, how to connect people and communicate and collaborate across vast distances, and then how to integrate that with face-to-face. So I think it's perfect for us. On one hand, I'm optimistic, because I think we can make this connection, we're gonna have some tools that will make our work much more powerful and relevant for the 21st century. And at the same time, I get a little nervous, because we can be a little technophobic And now that said, I'm seeing a lot of promising signs, people who are starting to venture into this who had held back, and um, technology is neither bad nor good, it's neutral, it's all about how you use it, and I think that's really been the message I've tried to give to people, is people are using these technologies to connect to other people, and so that's what social work's about, is about relationships. So if we can see past the fact that it's happening over a telephone or happening via a text message or happening via an email or in a Facebook group and see the fact that it's about people wanting to connect with people and about having problems with that sometimes or having some positive experiences, then I think we're really ideal to help people negotiate this universe. But we can't do that if we're so ignorant of the technology that we can't help someone figure out How do you set boundaries in a digital environment? If someone is harassing me, how do I cope with that? And so I think it's a true time of of challenge and opportunity for us as a profession. And I think integrating technology well into what we already know and helping ourselves grow in what we know will be the future for us. And if we don't do it, I'm not optimistic that social work will be the vital profession that it is at this moment 50 years from now. And so I think we're up to the challenge, but I think we need to start moving there a little faster than we have because the rate of change seems to be accelerating. And we need to do it and ask all the important questions that we ask, or questions about ethics and questions about making sure that everybody gets included in these digital changes. We have a world that is giving people access to information But if you don't have access to the same tools, you are now out of the loop for information. And I think that's a social justice issue. So for social work, I think our issues will be very relevant to these technologies if we can get people to start to think about it a little bit more than they have been. And as I said, I've seen some positive signs. Maybe a year ago, I had about 200 social workers that I was following on Twitter. And it's probably up to 500 now. And that's just the ones that I personally have noticed it's by no means a sort of full assessment and there's some wonderful efforts going on in the UK with Open University Initiative where they have blogging and they sponsor social work debates on Twitter a couple Mm. times a week and I see um, some amazing social workers from around the world so those things I see happening and I think wow it does seem like as a profession we're starting to get there.
2: Excellent, very good. Well I want to thank you for your time and (laughs) sharing with us here on the podcast
1: and looking forward to another 100 episodes the <laughs> road. Thanks, Tony. Me too. You've been listening to our 100th episode in which Nancy Smith discusses the Living Proof podcast series, Past, Present, and Future.
3: Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, professor and dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.